We humans have an inbuilt ability to forget the meaning of life, or at least we like to create environments that help us to forget, so we don't have to think about it. This podcast, the mobile phone, TV, radio, music, homes, entertainment, sadness, depression, happiness, politics, religion, atheism, history, every bullshit discussion you've ever had, even the one on the meaning of life itself, is a distraction. Life, as the Buddha put it, is dukhi. That to many people means suffering, but to me, dukhi, or duk, as it is in Hindi, converts across in English as sadness. But in my view, that too is a distraction. The meaning of life isn't that hard, is it? If we are alive, should we not instinctively just know the meaning of life or lack thereof? Yet so many humans keep looking. Then there is the hard question of consciousness. Is it really that hard? Like life, should you not just know this stuff? If we are part of the universe, why don't we know everything there is to know? What's with all this crazy, insane cloak and dagger business? Is that God's doing? God? Isn't God a distraction too? That is an easy question to answer once you get over the limitations set forth by human-invented language and communication systems. The words life and consciousness are limiting in of themselves. How can we know stuff, and that word stuff is as good as anything here, how can we know stuff if the communication systems we inherited was designed thousands of years ago? Maybe they knew something back then, but maybe it doesn't make any sense now. And that all sounds illogical to me. It must to you as well. Maybe people 5,000 or 6,000 years ago, or even 500 or 600 years ago, were better connected than we are today, somehow. But connected to what? What if you had to live in a structure that had no electricity, Wi-Fi, running water, food security, or clothes? What if you're in the wild? What if you had to hunt and kill animals to survive? What if you had to, by default, torture and milk the cow for milk or kill the plants to eat fruits or vegetables? What if you did not have access to modern health care or education? Life would be quite rough. There are many zebras in the wild that know all about hard life. You and me, browsing the DailyMail.com website for overtly sensationalized news, may not know about crappy lives. Why? Because you are self-domesticated like me. In other words, we are distracted from life until life itself hits us hard. And life does hit you hard. It has this habit of hitting us all very hard. The fragility of existence. Existence is not futile, it is fragile. The weakness of the self versus the universe comes to the fore once you understand only the hardships life has to throw at you. Everyone feels like life happens when they lose someone or they get hurt mentally or physically. Life is an experience and a desperate ability to survive, and that is the epicenter of a cosmos of uncertainties. Since we can't seem to live forever, at least that's what I'm led to believe, 
this biological unit called a human, along with a lot of other supposedly alive things, need to procreate in order to live forever. Not in our current form, but a diluted version of ourselves in our offsprings. Science, science, science. Science is simply, to me, an understanding of nature. Nature being the universe, of course. In other words, science is basically the modifications that are made to the universe using naturally occurring things in the universe. What you and I call nature is what you and I should call the universe. It's one and the same thing. And by the way, yes, I do think science too is a distraction. Like all good ideologies, it is distracts us from, dare I say it, the realities of the universe. A bird builds a nest. Bees make honey. Humans build houses and cars and rockets. All these naturally occurring biological entities do stuff inside this planet and universe. When the human sends a rocket into space, they're using tools from this planet and moving it outside the planet. That is the action. But the biological umbilical cord the species has to this planet is another limitation on life. It's also maybe just maybe limits our understanding of life itself, consciousness, and the broader universe. Why? Because we're so tied down to this planet. Is an ape or a dolphin, a koala or a dog contemplating life? Is the tree, is the plant, is anything contemplating life like we are doing here right now? Or are they too busy living? It's not an easy life being a coconut tree or a hippo. Food, safety, water, procreation is all you, the hippo or horse, can do. Have you ever seen those nature television programs? I saw one when a pack of hyenas were going after a bunch of zebras. Those hyenas were starving. Two days on the trot, they had not eaten anything. Finally, one day, the pack isolates one zebra from the big, huge herd it was nestled in and surrounds it. Then they pounced. The death would be slow and brutal. Unlike the lion, these hyenas don't go for a kill. They go for making the prey weak and unable to fight. One in the pack will first rip out the intestines. Another will start biting. Then another will start biting. Then another will start biting. The zebra eventually weakens with internal bleeding, falling to the ground. All this time, these hungry hyenas bite into the flesh. Then they start eating the zebra. The zebra is still alive, by the way. You can see one of the hyenas rip into the stomach of the zebra and pulling out the unborn baby zebra from inside what would be the mother. That is life. That is nature. That is the universe. The hyenas need feed. The zebra is the food. The zebra needs the feed. The grass is the feed. The grass needs the feed. The dung and the corpse of the zebra and the hyena is the feed. The vulture needs food. The zebra is the food. We humans have figured out a way to insulate ourselves from the harsh realities of the universe. We are too busy looking at stock markets, celebrity drama, politics or religion to care about life. We love food and worry about the stuff that the zebra or hyena need not. 
That's maybe why we are so keen to understand the reality of the universe, meaning of life and consciousness. It's possibly because we are insulated from the harsh reality of the most brutal form of dukkhi, the hunger, the thirst, the danger, and the elements. Or are we? There are plenty of humans living nearly lovely lives. Some are so rich that they can afford pools and other crazy things like smartphones, laptops, and even Spotify subscriptions. Then there are those who pull a rickshaw all day, make a handful of rupees each day, just enough to get by and send home to their village for their family to live. This rickshaw puller has no time to sit around contemplating life, the universe, and meaning. He knows the universe, he knows life, and he has a meaning. He has to survive to provide, not let anyone down. And remember that so many people are depending on him to survive. That's what he knows. He knows this. And he knows life. He doesn't need to ask the question. But why then, when studying life and consciousness and all that fancy philosophical stuff, do we always assume the best? By that, I mean the best of so-called humankind. Kind? Humankind? What about the worst? The worst of humankind, i.e. the not-so-kind. What about a criminal, a rapist, a molester, a murderer, even a petty pickpocket? What about wars? Pillaging has always been a part and parcel of human so-called civilization. You and I are the same stupid or intelligent, you decide, same stupid or intelligent animal with limited knowledge as we were all those many thousands of years ago. The advent of writing AK-47s, The Wheel, Ikea, and TikTok hasn't changed that. A human baby born in the year 1050, who, say, gets frozen in time and ends up somehow waking up in the year 2050, that's a thousand years later, will, in my opinion, adjust to the new era. We humanoids have not changed all that much. The same animal that was running around in 1050 AD is pretty much the same animal that was running around in 1050 BC. We really haven't evolved. Maybe the reason we haven't is because we still use these languages and numbers, maths, for example, that was developed and evolved over a long time. But maybe not long enough ago to connect us with our maybe wiser past. Humans are idiots. And I can say that without offending the thought police because I am told that I should also identify as a human. We humans think the world revolves around us until death, pain, or health hits us from some random direction. That's when you know life has struck. We are reminded of our mortality, our stupidity and hubris before we can get back to the business of pretending all that dookie or sadness is a can that can be kicked further down the road. It always comes home to bite. That can is full of sadness, pain, struggle and suffering. It's of course worth kicking further down the road especially if instead you can laugh, entertain, have fun, and enjoy. Given our imminent demise, lack of immortality, biological and chemical fragility, we humans, like other animals, are left with the need to want to have a legacy, live forever somehow without living forever. 
We do that by having children who can carry on our DNA, but most importantly, re-manifest ourselves. These children have our looks, behaviors, and can carry forward what we could not, just like we were children of our forebearers. Failing all that, or even adding to that, we might want to leave a little something behind. Not all of us are Ramesses II or Napoleon, so most of us don't get the chance to hit the history books that they do. But many of us try to leave a legacy nonetheless. My attempt at that hubris is this podcast, so that if I kick the bucket, pop off, or something of that nature, literally nature, then I have something to show for my otherwise futile and unremarkable existence. All right, then. What about the origins of life? Everyone loves a good origin story. Atheism and science has the Big Bang theory as its origin story. It needs one because the origin story of science is close to that of the Christian origin theory in that you don't question it. Atheists are like many in the Abrahamic belief systems in that it's all a big bang followed by evolution and that God theory is hogwash. It's atheism or nothing else. God worshippers naturally question all of that that atheists think, but atheists question everything that God worshippers think. I personally don't care. Maybe everyone is crazy. Everyone but me, of course. Only crazy humanoids consider me crazy. And the rest? Rest assured, you are not crazy either. If you were nuts, then you'd be doing something more productive than listening to me right now. Getting serious. Since we're on such a hard topic, I'll get to the gist of it. Life, unfortunately for us, is a meaningless, lost cause that can be a lot of fun, but most of the time we choose not to have fun. And then when actual life hits us hard and it hurts, we complain a bit and maybe we complain a lot. And then we go back into that endless cycle of kicking that can of life down the road until the end of our days. To me, consciousness is very simple. It's the opposite of unconsciousness. See right there how limiting the language is? You can be unconscious and be alive, right? So what is it? In my view, this is breaking news to most. The entirety of nature and the universe is conscious. The entire universe is collectively experiencing reality all at once at the same time, i.e. there's no history, there's no present, there's no future, there is only existence, no in-betweens. In other words, only either you or me or whoever you are experiencing reality or that everything exists all at once. Personally, I'd like to think that the entire universe is conscious. But then again, I've been wrong before. This neatly brings me onto the next topic, and that is reality. Maya. Maya is illusion, and reality thus does not exist. Otherwise, we would not be able to, in theory, be able to fathom it. And the biological entities here on this planet would ultimately not survive. Could it even be that reality is so confusing and so anti-real that our biological selves to survive, and we know we have to survive, need to block out huge components of reality in 
order to survive. Maybe reality exists everywhere, but we are not able to comprehend it. Otherwise, our existence becomes yet more futile. Abiogenesis. Ever heard of that? It's a scientific theory. Do you know what it is? Let me tell you. It is the natural process by which modern science says life has arisen. So modern science. And that too, it comes from non-living matter, such as simple organic compounds. The prevailing hypothesis here is that the transition from non-living to living entities was not a single event, but an evolutionary process of increasing so-called complexity that requires a prerequisite in the formation of a habitable planet like this one. This is basically telling us, science is telling us, this abiogenesis is telling us that life, life was born from so-called non-life. Earth, it is thought, remains still the only place in the known universe, known universe, that can have life. Fossil evidence from this planet informs us that abiogenesis is real. The Earth was formed about four and a half billion years ago, aka ages ago. The earliest undisputed evidence of life on Earth dates from at least three and a half billion rotations around the Sun, i.e., years. Also, that means ages ago. Fossil microorganisms appear to have lived within hypothermal stuff dated about 3.7 to 4.2 billion years ago, as evidenced by findings in places like Quebec. And that, by the way, was soon after ocean formations about 4.4 billion years ago. I say all that, but there were no witnesses. Not even God was invented back then. Oh, was it? No witnesses on inventing God either, is there? If that really is the origin of life, and then consciousness, if we are born at some rock meteorite or some random chemical reaction, then it is a serious anticlimax. No wonder so many people would rather buy into God theory. It has lots of juice, is simple, dramatic, and leaves open just enough nuance that humans can butcher each other for an eternity. The one and only fact of life is certain death. What were you before you were born? Then what were you after you died? Right now is the year 2022. Were you dead in 1222 and not born in 2822? Is again our own ancient language, Roman Catholic dating system and the numbering system limiting our ability to understand death and thus our own lives? Historians today may remember the Emperor Ashoka or Masa Musa, but most dead people we don't know. Most of them are lost, gone. Few died in 1822. Well, who cares? Yes, that life will be of academic intrigue, but we don't have a connection. Same for you, me and you, lives of today, who, in 2022, will be remembered in 2222. It's going to be nothing. We will be lost to the ages. Or will we? There are numerous ghost stories and haunted house stories to write entire books on. We have dead people communicating with the living ones. 
We have mediums and others who can feel the people who have moved on. You can get past life regression sessions to see who you were in a previous life. I'm not sure if you get future life regressions. Maybe you do, maybe you do not. But will you come back to haunt a house or tell a friend or family member that life is okay? I'm very happy up here or down there. So many cultures, such as the ancient Egyptians, prepared for an afterlife. The Chinese, and many still do, ancestor worship. The past and the future, somehow, before our birth and after our death, do matter. Or is our atma, soul, or life force as pathetic as the coconut curry with dead chicken meat in it? What soul did the chicken or coconut have? Yes, bugger all. Nothing, zilch, zippo, nada. It didn't have a soul because unless those lives die, we would not survive. We don't give a hoot about the life of the coconut tree or the chicken. If we are running on empty or if the coconut curry is exceptionally yummy, we are that animalistic. We will eat it. We only seem to care about the souls of family, friends, and pets, not the ant, the chicken, and certainly not the rat or bed bug. On a good day, we give a hoot about the zebra that could not have gotten away from the hyenas. Just like we don't give a hoot about the donkey, the donkey may not care about us, unless, of course, the humans are domesticating the donkey to exploit it, and then, of course, the slave donkey might care. The universe maybe doesn't care either. Maybe we're looking too much into something and it is much ado about nothing. Or is it? That plate of food has echoes of the universe after all. We are all stardust. We are a part and parcel of this universe. Each generation carries on the DNA of prior ones. What's that say? You are what you eat. So a jaguar is what it eats. It's eating a lot of DNA. A goat is what it eats. And the human is what it eats. The grass is what eat, it eats. That is the cycle of some sort, maybe life, maybe not. In the microscopic world, you can, instead of going out there, just go deep here on this planet and look at something at the microscopic level. Atoms, nucleuses, it's part of something, right? Is life only fully formed organisms? Can't the micro parts of an organism also be life? Does anyone care? No one did before I brought it up just now, maybe. Do our brains comprehend the end of life? Do we? Or do we kick that can down the road as far as we can? Until an Ill illness or some other trauma slaps us in the face, then maybe we get it. We get the fragility of our own mortality. You matter to someone. You do, and typically to another human or some kind of pet. You probably do not matter to 99.999999% of the living and non-living entities in the universe. However, if the entire universe is connected as part of some metaphysical mega-entity, then you and your microbes matter. But you do matter. To me, it's one or the other. Like I said before, that it's everything that matters or everything is meaningless. The universe and consciousness is created when you or I are born and ends with your death. Or, if it's not that, then everything is connected in the entire universe and you, are, you and I are important clogs in that machine. There is no past, there is no future, and there is no present. There is just 
existence, consciousness, and you are it. To me, it can't be possible that humans are alive or zebras are alive while rocks are not alive. It's too pit and mix for me. Illogical. The rock has to be alive. Landmarks have a sense of familiarity about them. A story, even a home, has a personality, maybe the personality of their owners. You'd be surprised how many people have strong attachment to the house they grew up in or the town they lived in. If you had to make me choose, then I'd go with the argument that everything's alive, everything that ever was and will be is in existence perpetually. I choose this because if nothing matters, then everything is quite boring and that is not interesting. You, me, the rock, water, air, universe, moon, everything's alive. It must be. Even the dead and the yet to be born are part of the universe. Everything's alive and has a conscious component in them. But at the same time, the universe is brutal. Humans suffer. Zebras suffer. Trees suffer. Water, air, carbon, rocks, mountains. Do they suffer or do they face dookie? Maybe not. Unlikely though. But then again, billions of people right now, right now are suffering. Yet we don't care. That's right. We, you and I are sat here listening to me talk about something as randomly fanciful as the meaning of life. And yet, we don't care about fellow humans suffering in this moment in time. Someone in a house nearby even may be suffering right now, but you do not care and cannot care. In fact, you may have more affinity to a rock or that house you're in than to a guy who's suffering a mile or two away. So despite all the meditations, philosophy, metaphysics, contemplation, and so on and so forth, we still have the misfortune to suffer and still die as life slaps us around the face with trauma. In other words, the meaning of life for you and I is not just the physical reality of living, but the mental reality of living. We are alive enough, but we'd rather live our lives not to be alive because we know that life has suffering and challenges. So it's so much easier to kick that kind of life further down the path of existence. Our brains and our guts are wired to procrastinate and to not think about what we should be thinking about, and that may just be the unthinkables. Given the short life, and yes, life is painfully short, let me reiterate, given that life is painfully short, and it is very short, short, you have an opportunity to do something with it. Time to take some proactive action. Do something, ideally something positive. Stay away from the negatives and stay away from people who are negative towards you. Life is short. It is fragile. It is an opportunity to do something so that you do not regret it at the end of your days. It is ultimately your actions that determine your meaning and the people around you determine your meaning of life. Everything else is fundamentally, realistically, practically immaterial. So the meaning of life is what you make of it. It is so simple. Anyhow, thank you for listening. That's all. Cheerios.